0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of a podcast that we used to do all the time and everyone loved it and now we, we very <laughs> seldom do it, but we had to do a really special one, which is why I brought everyone together because this is the first podcast ever with Guy Nino as a Blackstone Labs athlete. We have Guy Cisternino on today.
1: What is going on everybody
0: and because, happy to happy be here, but it's such a big deal that I didn't want to just uh, do it by myself. So I brought both of my co-hosts on. So we've been alternating between uh, Billy and super science Sammy. So yeah, yeah, it's a little crowded in my here. doppelganger. It's a little crowded, <laughs> but you're, you're worth it guy. For sure, for sure.
1: I appreciate it. buddy. I mean, I'm excited. I'm trying to figure out how, why my Skype just fucking screwed up everything. Um, Man, I'm excited. You know, this has been a fucking... I mean, TJ, we've talked about this for how long? About joining like, forces. Like, I think every company I've been with, we've at some point, whether it was at BSN's Engineering Labs, and fit, we've touched base, and like we're always bouncing the idea off of me being with Blackstone Labs for the past fucking 10 years.
0: Yeah, and, and just you so know? everybody knows, people are, have said to me so many times, like, how come you and Guy don't do something? How come you and Guy don't do something? And and same thing I've always told Guy, we've always talked about this, is in this industry friends are few and far between they really are and guy truly pretty much is the last friend that I have left from when I started bodybuilding so I still have like my non-bodybuilding friends from like school and shit but as far as like people that I got into bodybuilding with and I and I by the way I don't mean that as any disrespect to like somebody like Evan Santopani who I I still love we just got out of touch you know what I mean like we just don't talk anymore and um Guy is the the one person that I've stayed like consistently like good friends with all these years, and so I just always told him, you know what, man, if it ain't broke, why fix it? Like, what happens if I bring yeah. you on, and then it fucking ruins our friendship, like all these other ones? Like, That was your
1: beer, and I told you, I said before this happened, I go first and foremost, I will never let business get in the way of a friendship ever. I don't care if I don't agree with something. I was like, we'll figure out a way to to make it work. I said I'll never allow that to happen because I've seen. Shit, it's happened to me with friends. And it's had, you, you know, like, guys like Dominic Takiyo, who don't even, like, back in the day, yeah. who trained with me every day. And, like, I turned pro and he didn't and got, like, butthurt and never talked to me again. So it's like, you know, um, yeah, with me and true. you, it's been 20 years of fucking, I mean, we've done everything from compete together, fucking eat at families' houses, fucking cried together, laughed together, fought each other, fought together, <laughs> fought alongside each other.
0: Like we've done everything. Yeah, he's not even exaggerating either. We have done all that. And we'll, we'll in the future, we're gonna talk about all these good stories because we have so many stories that we could probably do a year of podcasts to keep everybody on their toes. But today I wanted to basically, I know that all of our listeners already know who you are, but for anyone that doesn't have a, a clue, we're gonna talk about the history of you and I meeting and where your career went. You know, we, we started at the same time. We went in very different directions, and... <laughs> <kidding>. Keep talking. <laughs> I'm
1: at... My floors are getting redone, so I'm at my fucking parents' house, and they have a fucking house. <laughs> like, who has a house
2: phone anymore? They it's still, still have a house phone? Old school. There's a lot of places. They still have a house it. phone? There's a lot of people that have house phones. Fucking still. thing. Holy who has shit. this? I saw, have you um, seen one of these? I
0: can uh, I'd be really impressed if it had the cord on it still. Um, My dad probably had to somewhere in the basement. So uh, basically for everybody to to know like where the story started, this is a, like a funny true story, is you uh, <laughs> went, went to school at uh, Western Connecticut State University, which is in Danbury. And yeah. I uh, grew up in Danbury, New Fairfield, basically the same thing. And um at the time I had I was living in my grandparents' house still. Yes,
1: yes, yes. <laughs> Nan and Pop, man. Nan, Nan and Pop.
0: Pop. Uh we've had some great memories uh at Nan and Pop's house that we'll get into in future shows too. <laughs> my grandma was like came home, she was like, Guy Sister Nino was naked in the bathroom shaving his body with the door open. And I was like, Oh man, he could have just just <laughs> shut the door and I was like, you know, hey, we're,
2: nobody we're, was all,
0: we're all family, right? So without getting deep <laughs> into that. all these, these funny stories, um, now I brought in Sammy and, and Billy to interject on like the actual like bodybuilding stuff. I'm going to let you tell most of the story. But when when we met was you were you had already done a bodybuilding show and yep. I was training and I was bodybuilding. And this kid, Scott Perlman was his name. Yep. I see uh said uh, uh you got you got to meet this 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 kid guy he he's he's just like you he's fucking hooked on bodybuilding he's got a lot of potential he plays on the team this and that and i was just like ah eh, same as i am now nobody's as good as me i was like yeah I was, I was like same as i am now i was like eh, whatever and but he kept on talking about you so i was like you know what tell, tell him to uh send him in to uh bennegan's where I worked on Wednesday nights because it was karaoke night and it was a college town and it just got crazy in there. And so the first night I ever met, guy came in to uh, Bennigan's and Oh, and I said, tell him to bring a notebook. And he came in with his notebook that he still fucking has, by the way. Um, <laughs> and uh, we started talking. And that's, that's how the whole like beginning of our relationship started. Like We clicked yeah. right away. And uh, then we became training partners after that.
1: Yeah, we trained together every fucking day. Every day we trained. There was three gyms we trained at. What was the gym you used to work at originally? Remember that gym you worked at?
0: Powerhouse Gym in uh, Brookfield, Connecticut.
1: Brookfield. So we trained at Brookfield Sports Club, and we trained at Powerhouse and Brewster. Those were our three bounce arounds that we we went to every day.
0: Yeah, and uh, uh, Brewster, I wound up um, dating the owner of the gym for, for a long time.
1: You started dating the owner of the gym when the owner of the gym was still married. Yeah, but
0: her... her... <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Her her husband... Her
1: husband was such a fucking twat.
0: He was such a dick. And um, they were on their their way out. I was just like... I was the push that made her move, you know? <laughs> still living at home with my grandparents, trying to kick it to this married girl. That actually got me out of the house, though. That actually got me out of the house, because... the The first time I ever brought her there, I was like, look, we we have to be, like, super quiet because we can't wake up my grandparents. And I was sleeping on an air mattress. And uh, so I was, like, bringing this girl, this married girl older than me that I want to impress to my grandparents' house to have sex on a fucking air mattress next to my grandparents' (laughs) room. So the most, like, non-pimp situation that you could ever imagine. (laughs) It was still magical though. But that actually inspired me to get out. I was like, I can't. I, I'm, if I'm going to like be a real adult and have real relationships, I got to get out of this house.
1: Yeah, you were a fucking train wreck back then.
0: So not to try PJ, to keep... I, PJ, I like PJ, how you keep flipping it back on me. We're supposed to be t- telling about your history today.
1: Well, they they, they have to know the real truth. <laughs> the,
0: real, the real truth. As if what out there isn't true. How did you start bodybuilding? <laughs> Why did you start bodybuilding? Yeah, we want to talk because you had already done a show... Uh, yes, I did. Uh,
1: 2003 was my, my first show. I did West Virginia. It was a Nava show because I, I had scheduled an NPC show that actually got c- canceled nine days before the show. And I remember being like, fuck, like, what do I do? Because like I had to pick a specific show at a time because I had a report for football camp in college. So I had to pick a show that was before football camp because I had a report for football camp. So it, the show, I think, was August 10th and they canceled it nine days before the show. I was actually at my parents' house. And I remember being on the computer downstairs, like fuck, like should I just go to McDonald's? Like, (laughs) is that it? Like, I don't know, I don't know what to do. I specifically remember almost going to McDonald's right up the road just to eat fucking garbage. I've been dieting for so long.
0: How long uh, were you dieting? for? Huh? How long were you dieting for? Sixteen weeks.
1: You did your own diet, right? I, I, you know that fucking. That idiot that worked at GNC, the guy Mike. It was like Mary's oh, God, boyfriend. Yes,
0: yes, yes, he was a dating
1: to South Florida. Yeah. So he actually wrote me my first diet, and then a guy by the name of Steve Pappas, who was a big NBC competitor in New Jersey, took over the reins of like the dieting towards the end. But like neither one of them really knew what the fuck they were doing. So I ended up googling shows August tenth, like in in the world, just trying to figure out like this same <laughs> time frame because. The week after the show, I had a report for football camp. And uh, I found a show in West Virginia. I called the promoter. He was like, you absolutely can come because uh, it was already past, like, registration dates and shit. And I didn't know that you could sign up the day to show. So I took my Bronco fucking two <laughs> into the shop.
0: We were just looking at the new Bronco that's coming said, out. I said,
1: give me a thousand. I said, do whatever you need to to make this thing get to West Virginia and back. <laughs> and it was like $1,300. And me and my cousin drove to West Virginia. And I won the novice class, novice overall, open, and then I lost the open overall to Fred Smalls. Wow! I weighed in at one hundred and sixty-two fucking pounds.
0: How about that? That story, of Fred Smalls, all the way back in the day. Yeah. What Fred did Smalls? he weigh in at? He was, he
1: was the first. He was the first like mutant I've ever seen. I was yeah. like, this guy's fucking huge.
0: Yeah, I remember him way, way back then. He was he was he yeah. was competing for a long time back in the day. So then yeah. from, from there. You had to go and play football. What position were you playing? I got so I
1: played for 15 years. So I started in third grade, and most of my time was running back and uh, middle linebacker or nose guard sometimes too in defense. And then I got recruited for running back because I was fast. And then I got moved to cornerback because there were so many better running backs than me. Um, because I went to a school that I had like Division one athletes. They were just not really that smart. Mm-hmm. So like they uh, the, the the talent was just bar none better than mine. So
0: they moved me to cornerback because I was quick and I sucked at cornerback. (laughs) And when you were playing football, though, um, I know that you were still, like, basically eating and training like a bodybuilder.
1: So this is kind of where, like, my mentally tough aspect, I think, kind of came to fruition, was because in college, like, I, I have a history degree, so I took, like, pretty intense classes. And I literally would wake up at 8 o'clock in the morning, could do all my classes, go to football practice, and then right after football practice, I would go I every day. I mean, PJ worked at GNC, so he knows fucking what we did at GNC. <laughs> um, I I remember fucking taking, like, I would keep boxes of, of, like, Detour bars or U-Turn bars or whatever fucking bars we had. Or PJ, back in the day, me and PJ used to take Mesotech packets, yes. two of them, and open them up and use a, a, a flavored Gatorade. Those are the to, shit. Uh, as our Yes, as our post-workout. So I would literally go in the locker room, change, put shorts on, a t-shirt, eat a bar, wait 10 minutes, go up, and I would fucking, I would train like a bodybuilder. And I got yelled at so many times by the coaches for not following the fucking program. And one time, the coach like screamed to me, and I was like, you're, you're telling me I'm not following the fucking program yet? I'm the strongest kid on the team. So I don't understand what the fucking problem is.
0: And, uh, what kind of numbers so were, coach- you, were you lifting when you were in college? I
1: squatted for one rep max, I squatted 550, um, I squatted 550, I benched 365, and I power clean 365. And what'd you weigh? I didn't even, when I graduated, I probably was not even 200 pounds yeah. when I graduated.
0: Wow. So, strong. while you were doing that, and then we met and we started training together, what was the first show you did after that? 2004 garden state classic where i got punched in the face by that big guy on
1: stage when he was hitting the most muscular oh that's by the guy right. by the guy that won the overall and they were like so and so he's been shot hung stabbed bit by a shark electrocuted remember that guy yeah bit by a shark for real mm-hmm. he like they listed off like all these things that happened
0: to him and it was like shot stabbed yeah. shark bite that shit
2: happened and to he ended up winning.
1: yeah that, that was the first the show you helped me with
0: uh that was the, that was where i was going with the story i was gonna say who coached you for that show <laughs> You did, and so, I won. I missed the overall. I never started won the overall out winning overall. Years amateur. ago, I started out winning.
1: <laughs> I I never I never won a fucking knob uh, a uh, open overall, not once as a, as an amateur. Well, it's hard. Um, it's
0: hard when you're a middleweight. You know what I mean. You're still
1: fucking coming at me with being smaller than you. No,
0: I'm just saying, like, <laughs> you rarely see, like, get it all the time. anyone the that's butt. not a light heavyweight or heavyweight win the overalls, Yeah, you know? it's very, it's very,
1: yeah. The lighter classes usually never win fucking overalls, but um, no, PJ really taught me a lot. Like, PJ was knee-deep in, in the, the bodybuilding stuff, so um, when we trained together, I, I uh, usually... Just paid more attention and took mental notes, and and I was I was OCD, I was I was neurotic. I always wrote everything down. I kept a journal, of workouts, what I ate, um, and I still have every single journal that I've ever had in my. They're they're in a box in my closet in my house, and uh, you know PJ just kind of, you know, he was older than me. He he competed more than me. He knew more than me, um, just about about supplements, about food, about training, about cardio, and I I learned a lot a lot from PJ. I probably would have done better with continuing with PJ before me and PJ made an awful decision to jump to another coach. <laughs> which was a fucking complete fucking was a complete nightmare. We kamikaze ourselves with that one. So
0: but so I'm gonna I'm gonna interject a little bit with how that uh happened. So we did the Garden State together. And yes. uh that was a fun that was a a fun time. We that was the first time uh, I had anyone Matt else Matt Duval guest posed with Craig Richardson. Yeah. Yep. That was the first time I had somebody else like really help me with a show. So like we did each other's tan. And um we didn't what did we use for our tan? We used um, dioderm. 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 A lot of people won't even know about Dioderm. No.
1: Nah. So it's like That was sh... like before Pro it Tan.
0: It's like shoe polish. And um we were doing it in the <laughs> well, backyard. Well, back in Dream Tan we used both. Yeah, we were you we guys were like You actually got to use Dream Tan. We yeah. were idiots. We were idiots, though. We we look like my mom was like, "You guys look so statuey compared to everybody else. You look like bronze statues." And we were like covered in that shit. It's funny too because I wound up getting second in the light heavyweights, and uh, I got fourth. I really think that if we didn't have that that shit on, we probably would have looked a little bit better on stage because it it, we it looked
1: like, like we fucking were two pigs that rolled around yeah, in yeah, yeah. It looks very
0: muddy. Yeah. Um, but I remember like we were in his uh, guy's backyard with socks on our dicks, just painting <laughs> each other in the in the backyard. And all of a sudden, uh, you hear this voice coming from the window and it's Guy's dad and he's just laughing did his ass Adley, off.
1: Wait, did my, had my, had my dad met you yet?
0: No. He goes, honey, you gotta see what your son's doing in the backyard right now. <laughs> and we turn around and we have socks on our dicks. I haven't even met his dad yet. And we just started laughing and giggling and just kept going with what we were doing. <laughs> so, after that show, we... Uh,
1: Great
2: way to meet his parents.
1: So, a- after that show... Um, oh, it gets better. That's nothing. He's, my, my, my dad saw parts
0: of him that no man should ever yeah. see. But so that's for another day. We'll save that one for another day. So, after that show, um, I'm trying to think of... So, what happened was... This is what happened. After uh, backtracking, after Atlantic States, I did Atlantic States. Uh, yep. John Oriegan, um came to me about coaching, and I was like, and for the record, I like John Orjegin, by the way. So, but meeting him. For the-, the record, I can't stand him. So, he can't stand him. So, now, I, you meet this guy. He kind of looks like the the professor from Jurassic Park.
1: Bro, insane. Is it like spitting image doppelganger times ten
0: yeah so if if anyone hasn't seen him um he looks like the professor from from (laughs) jurassic park comes up to me with this like chewed up business card and he's like you have a lot of potential i'd like to see like how far i could take you and i like look at the card and i kind of like just drop it on the ground like whatever weirdo but guy he was a big name dropper guy like like kevin lebroni yes he he, he he dropped a lot of names that he'd worked with now he has actually worked with a lot of good bodybuilders over the years. Like, he's he's the one who, f- like, found Dallas McCarver. Um, he, Caprice Murray. Caprice Murray. He found all these young freaks, is what happened was. And uh, Jeff Long, like, these young guys that were big guys, like, like me at the time. And unfortunately, um, no one stays – unfortunately, no one really stayed with him. Uh, but no. I, I did think that he actually cared – about the people that he was helping, he was just—he cared about PJ, and I'm gonna tell you why he cared about <laughs> PJ and he hated
1: me. And I, this is like a 30-second story. This is the kind of prick this guy was. We went, and PJ's gonna know as soon as I say we went out to fucking eat one day at a Steakhouse. <laughs> right? Off, this, we were off-season. This is why I didn't like the guy. Off-season, and PJ ordered his normal, like I, I want a fucking uh, ribeye medium rare or rare. He gets it rare, and uh, you know, sweet potato, this and that, and salad and dressing. And then it came time for me to order and the motherfucker goes I'm um, I- I'll-, I'll tell you what he's gonna eat and he goes he orders me a st- a plain steak a plain sweet potato and a, pl- a salad with balsamic vinegar and i'm like sitting there and pj's like looking at me like giggling because pj like knew that i couldn't stand them and then like we're eating and john was like see that girl over there she's staring at you and you're like yeah she is i wonder why she's staring at you and he goes because you're the fucking biggest, best-looking guy up in here. And I was like, are you fucking... I'm like, this is insane. So then, like, I had, like, this little portion of food, and PJ had this, like, monster plate of food, and I'm just sitting here like, this is fucking ridiculous. And the guy actually took his steak and cut it in half. I was like, oh, he's going to give me more food. And he takes his steak and he puts it on PJ. He goes... He- here you, he goes. Here you go, beast.
3: <laughs> he
1: called PJ all these fucking nicknames. Never call me a nickname. It was PJ was the best looking, biggest beast. And then like he would get like weirder nicknames that would like, like over time, like I he started calling me a beast. And then PJ was like, like the 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 fucking mutant or the monster. Like he always had to surpass me and, and everything.
3: <laughs> Sounds like me and Darren Dane's relationship I will say
0: that we used to meet him At um Strong and Shapely, Strong and Shapely Which was a really fun gym to train at We had good yes. good times down there,
1: and there was Bob a really... Bottom doesn't own that anymore You're allowed to train there now What's that? So you you can train there now Bob Bottom doesn't own it
0: Oh he doesn't?
2: That's another story for no, the last he time, sold right? it.
1: Oh I didn't even know that Is the yeah. gym the same? Everything exactly. This. I haven't been there, but I know people that go there say it's exactly the same. Uh, the I'll tell same. you,
0: if you guys have not been to that gym, it's like probably top five best gyms in the country as far as like how stacked up the equipment is. Yeah. I would. They got some there. pieces
1: there that I've never mm-hmm. seen anywhere else.
0: That, that fucking anywhere. weird ass leg press that's like strapped to the wall. It's like a pendulum yes. thing. It's dangerous. Yes.
1: It's, it's it's all white and rickety and <laughs> yeah. shit.
0: I will stay away from yeah. that. Um, <laughs> Those are what good old hell? days. We used to train with like, uh, uh, where'd you go? Nope, I'm here. No, 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 I'm here. We used to go with like, um, a group. It was like me, you,
1: Jeff Long, Chris LeCompte. Yep. that that kid Darren that nobody liked. I still don't like him.
0: You still don't like? <laughs> I was talking to his wife this morning, actually. Uh, Rodney Roller used Wait, to come Darren sometimes. That owns
2: Monster Nutrition. That no, a
0: different guy. No. Uh, Rodney Roller. Um, there's a bunch of, of of good guys in that area that used to go and, and hang out. It was a fun time, and we, yeah. so we, we went from John O'Reagan, to, I went and did um, Junior USAs. Yep. In 2006. Thanks. Um, yeah. And then I wound up doing the uh, New England after that, and so for for. Junior USA's, I, I was still working with John and I just really didn't like a bunch of the stuff that he he had me doing. It felt like he was just throwing random things. Like I remember he he wanted me to stack uh, D-ball and Anadrol. And I was like, both of them together? And at that point I was kind of just like, you know what? Uh, I feel like it's time for me to move on. I trained myself for New England the week later. It was the first time I ever met Jay Cutler, Jay Cutler's show. And I won that show and then From there, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I was going to keep on prepping myself, but you had convinced me to go to Mr. Dave Palumbo,
3: the meanest meanest
2: coach of all
0: time. So (laughs) let's let's, let's get the facts straight. First of all,
1: (laughs) um, that was 2006, and then uh, I met Evan, and Evan, I think, was working with Dave first. Mm -hmm. And just for the record, like, See how PJ was talking about, like, deep and anadrol? Do you want to know, what, like, one of the things I'll never forget that I talk about all the time? He sent me a diet, John, or Egan, and he was like, one meal was like chick- six ounces of chicken, a cup of broccoli, and two rice cakes. And he literally put in the notes under that meal, crumple the rice cake up, and put it on the fucking broccoli. <laughs> so okay. I'm thinking there's, like, some scientific fucking reason why I'm crumbling a dry rice cake and putting it on wet. Soggy hot broccoli I'm like there's gotta be a reason And I did it for like a fucking week And it was disgusting So finally I called him I'm like John can I ask a question Is there a reason why I can't just eat the fucking rice cakes (laughs) And you're making me crumple them over the fucking broccoli Because it's ridiculous And he goes oh bro you can eat them I just thought it would taste better I'm like Jesus
0: fucking Christ are you serious That's how meticulous guys guys always been though Crumpling up rice cakes on broccoli
1: Fucking retarded Ridiculous
0: you and evan went to me and evan
1: met i i worked at gnc i worked at gnc in the danbury fair mall then i was the assistant manager at the one in trumbull trumbull connecticut is where evan grew up and evan came actually i didn't even meet evan in gnc i actually met him at a gym around the corner that used to be world gym that eventually got turned into i think a planet fitness and me and evan were training there and we we met each other And he actually came up to me and we started talking and me and evan hit it off right off the bat and then evan um, started, w- was working with Dave Palumbo, and me and Evan became very close, and then I introduced uh, Evan and PJ, so we kind of all just became, like, really tight, and uh, we all started working with Dave Palumbo, and this is where, like, the stories really get intense, because once Palumbo entered the fucking mix, it was, like, a complete shit show after that. Well, they all were, the fucking funny stories came out. They were
0: already working with him, and I was training, I was going up to train with them at uh, Montanari Bros all the time, And I was doing my own thing. I was happily doing my own thing. You know, I I was like, uh, I wasn't in school anymore, but I had like put a lot of time and, and energy into like studying myself and I was like really into it. But what they both did say, they were like, honestly, man, like aligning yourself with Dave is a good way to get yourself out there. It's a good way to get your name out there. You know, he's his affiliation with Muscular Development. It's definitely a good way to get your, you know, your career going. And I was like, man, I really like doing my own thing. And they were like, oh, just go meet him. So I went to meet Dave Plumbo, just like when. I remember
1: when I convinced you to text him. It was in your apartment. You were getting ready for a show. I'm like, bro, you got to message
0: this guy. And you just fucking did. Well, when I went to meet him, he told me to come meet him at a show. And I brought my notebook. And I'll (laughs) I'll never forget. It was so awkward. So I like sat behind him. You know, it was like a mafia. Situation, like I didn't even sit next to him. There was a bunch of people next to him. DJ, sit over here. It was like sit over here. So I'm like sitting behind him, and I don't want to. I'm like, am I supposed to like lean over his shoulder and talk to him? Do I wait for him to turn around and talk to me? And like I didn't know. Like was I supposed to give him money? Like how does it all work, right? So I had a list of uh like questions, and I started. uh I started asking him all these questions. See,
1: Sammy, Sammy, he took notes from me. See, now he, he he's the one that brought the fucking notebook full circle man <laughs> that's
2: interesting
0: so i had uh i, I had all my, my my questions right and halfway through the questions dave was like yeah oh, you asked too many questions and he was like everything that i'm gonna teach you you can't find in textbooks and uh i was like well how which is I... the
1: polar opposite
0: i was like well how am i supposed to study everything and he was like i've done all these things myself that's how you know and the funny thing is all these years later there are certain times when people tried to like debate me on certain things and I hit him with a little Dave Palumbo. Trust me, I've done all these things already. I know what I'm talking about versus whatever you're going to read online. And <laughs> so Dave, Dave was right there. That's like, the, that's like the true like definition of bro science right there. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. Don't worry about what it says online. I've done all these things already. I,
1: I treat myself like a lab rat. So if it works for me, it works for you. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. So we, uh, then we all went together to Dave Palumbo's house, and like to meet him and go over like our, our futures, and that That's was That's what he was like, with
1: Celeste, um, Celeste, or not Celeste, um, Colette Nelson. Yep, Dave and Colette. He was married to Colette Nelson. Or
2: they were engaged, he never wanted to marry her. Well, it was weird like later on when he had species um, and stuff like that, is, his ex was actually working for him when he was married to his current wife right now. I thought that must have been really cool. That was, yeah, she was working for a species at the time huh. when Frank was working there. Yeah. What? Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah well, and uh,
0: Dave's <laughs> wife, current Less wife. were room.
2: good friends too.
0: Yeah. Dave. Yep. Um, he's probably rolling his eyes when he, when somebody, Dave, else you little time. fucking ham and egger. <laughs> So at the time, Dave was actually still like pretty fucking big. Yes. Like, he was pretty freaky still at the time. He wasn't, like, when he was, like, 300 pounds freaky, but he was still a pretty fucking freaky. And we go to his house, and, like, I don't know what, like, we're going to walk into, you know? Like, I have I've no idea. Like, you hear all these stories, and we get there, and there's these two, like, little fucking dogs. These, like, they don't even look real. Like,
1: Ab- Abby? Agab-
0: Agab- uh... It was Abby and Bella. That line, yes, that and was they good. are like teacup Maltese uh, t- Maltese terriers. with they're, barrettes one, in their hair. About
1: this big, <laughs> and you got Dave Palumbo who's got a size 15 foot, and the dog's like, <laughs> it, it, it was like the smallest dogs. And Dave was a we I we, we talk about Dave, Dave is Dave taught me and PJ and, and helped us and helped rocket our career. Like I have the most utmost respect uh-huh. for Palumbo. So I'm going to say that right off the bat like he the guy i don't have a bad word to say about the guy i really don't he's a fucking awesome man but um some of the stuff in that house was just i mean he had like huge fish tanks
0: crazy like fish. All, all, yeah all sorts of like star wars memorabilia like yeah he had like swords, swords. And like
1: ninja swords and yeah. like
0: all crate like
1: crazy shit all over the place like
0: truly eccentric yeah like the jet skis in the back and yeah so, so like, he
1: lived like right on the bay on the water
0: he had a good spot, so we, we, we go in to talk to him, and he's like, "Colette, I, I need my food." So he's sitting there and he's like covered in, in veins, and he's like absolutely like like freaky looking, and I was pretty like starstruck still by him at the time, and he's like talking, and I just remember like I just couldn't stop staring at him. And um, he was like, uh, ",Are you listening?" And I was like, I, I literally said I was like, I, "I'm sorry, I just can't stop staring." I've never seen anyone like that looks like you before. And Dave loved shit like that. He fucking loved hearing shit like that back then. He just got like this funny smile and then just started wolfing down the the food that Colette gave him. So we all left there like pretty excited about like yeah. our future. And then Dave put me as the uh, anabolic freak of the month shortly after that. And uh, we had a really, really fun time, I will say, in those years. It was a fun years. couple of
1: years with us, yeah.
0: So that was like 2006. I went to 2007 uh, North Americans. And was yeah. that your first Nationals year? Yeah, that's when I took second to Jose. Took second to Jose. Oh,
2: shit.
0: And so the next year, 2008, I did North Americans again that year. And I was there. You the-
1: love that fucking show.
0: I just like the timing of it. Um, I mean, it really wasn't like not a good spot, it was in Cleveland. You know, it was like in the middle of nowhere. Um, but Gary yeah. Udit ran a really good show. He still runs an awesome show. He still runs runs it. Shout out to Gary Udit. Um, I think it was just the timing of it. I always figured that I will do my best at North Americans. And then from there, I will go to Nationals. But what always happened was I was so mad at myself at North Americans that I was like, I need to go back to the drawing board. And so you were doing Nationals that year. And you were you mm-hmm. know the, the favorite because you had – just lost to Jose who Jose turned his pro card down like 9 13 times or some weird number it was it was it was ridiculous for what reason there was no 202 division
1: there was no 22 two, yeah it started off as 202 went up to 210 yeah. and then changed it to 212 when we first started it was 202 so there was no class the first time the class started um, to be uh like when they announced the, the start of the 202 class was in 2007 so that's why he accepted
3: yeah um his pro card so yeah because yeah. pretty much knew once he accepted the pro card there's no more competing for well him. yeah i mean and and yeah,
0: at, at the yeah. time yeah. one thing that these guys don't really get to be a part of unfortunately thanks to social media and everything else is at the time you could do quite a bit as an amateur bodybuilder like you could make a name for yourself yes. as an amateur bodybuilder you could make money you could guest pose you could do a lot and jose had a really really big career already you know him and his brother were in a bunch of magazines his brother was like the, the better looking one. Sorry, Jose. And um, his brother got, got to do a lot of like uh, magazine covers and whatnot. Modeling, hopped, like dumped. he's like a celebrity I'm totally trainer. digging out Jose just cause I hope that he, he hears this part. He knows that, <laughs> I, he knows, he knows that I love him. Uh, his brother was like a celebrity trainer and this and that. And, and Jose yeah. was the, the actual better bodybuilder, but he knew like if I turn pro, like my career is kind of done. You know, so why not yeah. be the fucking best amateur of all time and just keep winning these shows and have people... And he, and he competed natural as an amateur yeah. the whole time. People didn't believe him. Yeah, he was just that, that, that freaky. Freaky. Um, so then Guy c- comes in, favorite the next year, and he came down from like pretty heavy. What did you come down from? 220 to 176. Yeah, 220 to 176. <laughs> and Dave, typical Dave, uh, tortures everybody. Uh, and I've talked about, like, how Dave tortured me before, but what what did you have to do to get to 176 for that show? I think people should hear I these did. stories because I feel like a lot of people still suffer, but they don't want to suffer the same way. And there's always I coaches that are like, oh, you about... won't have to suffer with me, but I think it's important that people hear these things.
1: I mean, I don't honestly think I've ever suffered as bad as I did when I was with Dave.
0: Yeah, Oh, same thing with me.
1: There's, like, I think back, and I'm like, if I had to do that now, I don't know if I can
0: do it. I remember, it was like, f- for that show, you you said that you had done so much cardio that you had like worn the bottom of your feet off. <laughs> yes, fucking
1: uh, Steve Weinberger was like, you have to wear like double socks. He's like for extra padding. He's like because you have no fat cells left in your feet because my feet were so bony. Yeah, they're all because I lost so much fucking weight. <laughs> um, I did two hours of cardio. I did uh, seventy-five minutes of cardio twice a day. Yeah. For so I was long? waking up in the morning before work. I was working full time, doing seventy-five minutes on treadmill, going to work all day, coming right from uh, work right to the gym, working out, and then doing another seventy-five minutes of cardio, and then repeat it the next fucking day. And the only thing that saved me during those kind of preps were the fucking ridiculous Sunday night cheat meals that we got. Yeah. Because I went to I went to fucking town like you. You remember we used to eat yep. sometimes together. And we'd eat into like oblivion until we were like breathing heavy and sweating and couldn't even fall asleep because our heart was
0: gonna explode. Yeah, but I mean, we 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 just relied on I it so that. bad. Like we just got to get to Sunday to get this fucking cheat. Yeah, we would drive yeah. like hours to meet together and just eat these fucking yeah. crazy meals. But day factory. <laughs> you were doing um. How many? What was your rotation of uh protein veggie to protein fat, fat days?
1: Dude, I get protein. How about this? Because this we did, we, we did
0: only keto with Dave. There was no carbs. Yes. Yeah.
1: Meal one was four whole eggs. Meal two was a protein shake and two tablespoons of peanut butter. Oh, Meal three was chicken and half a cup of cashews. Then it was shake, two two tablespoons of peanut butter. Then it was steak and salad. And then it was shake and peanut butter. It and was then, three meals, three shapes.
0: But when did he rotate you into taking the fats out?
1: Seven weeks
0: out, Seven he pulled out all out. the fats. And that's when your life goes to fucking complete
1: health. <laughs> when he pulls the fats, it's like, it's literally like pulling your soul from
0: your body. Yeah, it's dramatically different. Uh, I will say, though, uh, when you do that, the results do absolutely come in. You're just miserable <laughs> doing it. <laughs> miserable is not even the word. He starts out with, we're going to rotate in uh, one day of no fats with with two days of fats. And then after, like, the first week, it flops to, okay, now we're going to do two days of no (laughs) fats and one day of fats. And then it turns to three and then four. And then next thing you know, you're
1: not even getting a fucking cheat meal. and You're doing three hours of cardio, hating your fucking life. Yeah, no cheat meal, more
0: cardio. Um, Yeah. Well, good. I think it's important that people know how much suffering goes into making those weights, especially, you know, back in the day, you know. Now there's all these other classes, so so the, divisions, the divisions aren't as saturated as they were back then. There was a lot of really, really good guys. So you were at weight-in, and you were, like, beyond shredded. Like, I think Dave said that he felt you were the most shredded guy in the whole show, and here's something that a lot of people probably won't remember or know I hope some of them do but Dave was so proud of how good that you looked that he took up a, a picture of you doing a back double bicep and I room. already
1: know where this is going I already and guy know was so, so
0: tired that he didn't even put his trunks on which was like I kind, had a sock on kind of normal I, back I just... then Dave was like I don't care I'm like a doctor and he does a back double <laughs> bicep. fucking naked <laughs> he's, he's so, so lean that you could see his asshole <laughs> Through his crack, there was nut no, it, it was the striations were so deep that the striations went into his fucking brown star and Dave posted the fucking picture on muscular development Without without telling me. <laughs> so like a couple
1: weeks later, I Googled my name to look up pictures, and the first fucking things that come up, guys Sister Dino naked. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to like contact Dave and it was on it was on get big.
0: Yeah. I don't even know on. if that
1: form's still around. No, oh, they were having a but, field uh, day with that. I uh I fucking made him I, I I go listen, man, like I I I have a full time job. Like <laughs> I can't have like my
2: asshole.
1: <laughs> I, like, I go over the internet. I was like, I didn't this isn't like I because Dave just took a picture. He dave, dave took the picture. He's like, you gotta see how you look. You look crazy. So he took a picture and he showed it to me. I was like, ah, I'm pretty fucking crazy. In he I looked at the picture and didn't even remember it. Because I was so fucked up, and PJ will tell you about that. I was so fucked up from being so dehydrated. I almost had to go to the emergency
0: room. Yeah, so I... so had after, the, It was right after prejudging. So prejudging no. is done, and yeah, what, it was, what did he tell you to eat? Uh, after prejudging? Yeah. It was I
1: uh, I don't even think I... Was it a burger and fries? Or... I don't even remember what I ate after that. I think it was a burger... It was either burger and fries or steak and fries.
0: I just remember that it was it was pretty late at night. And I was kind of like, I used to do my thing back then. I used to like bounce all around, all over the place. I was trying to like build my training business. And I was like, you know, go to see other people. But I would always end up back at Dave's room. And so I get back into Dave's room and Dave is working on the computer. Uh, Colette's like doing something in the other room. And guy is just laying on the floor, and he's like, basically like incoherent, on the floor. Yeah, I
1: could. I had no idea what was going on.
0: So I'm like talking to guy, and I could tell that he was like really, really out of it. And I, am like looking at Dave, and Dave's just like, like kind of like smiling, and he's like making faces, and he's like, like thinking, like, like I'm like, what the fuck's he doing over there? So I was like, uh, hey, what are you doing? And he's like, I've been playing chess with this guy for, like, two days now. (laughs) And I was like, you're playing chess right now? And he was like, yeah. I think Guy's dying. And I was like, "Um, should we do something about Guy? And Dave was like, he's very dehydrated. (laughs) And uh, so I'm, like, looking at him, and he's, like, fucking out of it on the floor. And I'm, like, trying to wake him up. You you and
1: Mike Liberatore carry me to my room.
0: Yeah. So, my. Mike Libertori was a part of our circle of friends, uh, an outstanding bodybuilder also back then that was also working yeah. with Dave. Um, we uh, brought him back to his room, and I was like, Dave, what should we do? And he was like, he, he needs uh, salty water. Go go find him a Powerade Zero because he can't have the carbs. And uh, put a salt packet in it. So it's like, fuck and you. Go, and
1: you go, don't let him fall. And he goes, don't let him fall asleep. Oh, yes. He goes,
0: "Don't let- keep him awake. So... <laughs> I'm like, I got to find a Powerade Zero and like salt packet in like the middle of the night where I think that one was maybe in Atlanta, maybe that year. Uh, yes. I turned pro in Atlanta. Yeah. So I find this random uh, concession stand and uh, sure enough, they had fucking Powerade Zero or maybe it was vitamin water. It was vitamin
1: water. It was it was the, it was the, uh, the one with the yellow label yes. and it was like the
0: clear one. It was it was uh, the vitamin water with with nothing in it, and I, I got a salt packet poured it in. I shook it up and I bring it up to his room, and I'm like holding his head up, right? Like, it's like oh, I was at, Well, when you walked into the room, I was sleeping. And I was like, you've got to stay awake. You've got to you've got to stay awake. I'm like I was like trying to make him laugh. I was like, don't go into the light, whatever you do. And he's like, <laughs> he's acting like a fucking baby bird, like just waiting for his mom to give him something. So he's like. And I was, like, trying to pour it. He's
1: like, it. you have to drink this. And it tasted like it tasted like PJ took an empty bottle, went out to the ocean, and just filled it up. And was like, here, drink this. <laughs> it was so fucking gross. And I was like, I can't, bro. He's like, you have to. Day said, if you don't drink this, you have to go
0: to the emergency room. So I fucking get him to drink it. And then I, I'm like, once I felt like he was okay, I like go back to Dave's room. And uh, Dave's, like, still playing chess. And he's like, did he drink it? And I was like, "Yeah." And then he he like laughs and he's like, "He'll be fine." And, Dude, I'm uh, ready
1: for this. Thirty minutes after I drank it, I felt like nothing had ever uh, uh, even happened to me. I felt like a million bucks.
0: Yeah, he just was severely that, that severely. That one dehydrated. thing he did, it was crazy. Wow. Um, obviously went on to win. Um, and that so that was 2008. We said right. Yeah. So get your pro card in in 2008. And at that point, what was that? I took a hiatus. I took a hiatus for two years. I didn't
1: compete for my pro debut until 2010. Um, I did the Hartford Europa, which was in Connecticut. And I took, uh, I think, sixth. And that was a complete shit show because I worked with Neil Hill, who yeah, I, I in utmost respect for Neil. But the last the day of the show, just a, um, a nightmare. Like, just what what he did with me just didn't work. I remember um, I seeing you and being like,
0: dude, what the fuck? I had just seen you, like, a
2: week later. I worked with him, too, for, like, six months.
0: I don't know. He had Guy eating, like... I, I don't want to turn this into, like, a bash thing because Neil will be like, I heard you're talking about me on Guy's show, and I'll hit you with my, my leprechaun gold. And uh, he had him <laughs> drinking, say like... I
1: that's
0: He had him, like, drinking, Irish. like, fucking... Uh, he had him like drinking fucking like berries. Like a quarter liter of shit. diet
1: soda. He told me to drink three liters of water after my first meal. Protein shake with water, like his thing. And I, I don't know what he does with flex and like what he did with William and the other guys. But it, whatever he was trying to do with me, my, it just didn't work for me. Not that Neil doesn't know what he's doing, but for me, yeah, just, just some things work, some things don't. What he
0: did just didn't work for me. Um, now let's pause for one second. Were you? And I still working at Club 11 during any of this?
1: Me and you were working at Club 11 up until 2007. Okay. Because I moved back home in 07.
0: So we're going to leave a whole separate podcast for Club 11. You
1: guys have no idea about Uh, Club 11. So
0: so both of us have have been around this wonderful country, going to city after city, seeing all kinds of crazy shit in our lives. But I, I've said this and I know a Guy will say this too. I've never been to a club like fucking Club Eleven in Danbury, Connecticut in my in my You own. know You know who's our guest for that show? I mean there's a Mike lot of Mike Walker. People. Mike Walker? Mike Walker. Dude, you know who came into not to fucking get, get off on a tangent, you know who came into my Q and A the other day and I, I of course True. remembered his name? Fucking Steve Beecher. Rip R- Beach came in? Yeah, I yeah. played ball with him. He, he fucking comes into my Q&A, and he goes, shout out to Club 11. And I'm looking at his name, and, and and whatever his Instagram name is, and I was like, how do you know about Club 11? And he goes, it's Steve Beecher, remember me? He's like, I played b- b- ball with Guy. I worked with you. And I was like, holy shit. And I started laughing, and then he actually started talking about people throwing people out, and, like, Walker throwing people out, and Greg Boucher throwing people out. I'm like, this, this club... Without like getting off of all the bodybuilding stuff. We're gonna we're gonna tell like some <laughs> down the road. It was stories. the worst club ever. It was it was like insane. Like the amount of fights that went down every night. There was always like bootleg girls gone wild shit going on in there, like filming. <laughs> We'd seen girls getting banged in the bathrooms, like young girls getting like eaten out on the fucking bar, and then meanwhile just fights and gang gang shit going on all oh, over the place. Latin. Yeah, yeah. Between, like, the Latin Kings and then the guys would come up from Bridgeport. And, you know, there, were, there was always, like, box cutters being confiscated and shit. And just, it was, like, the, the worst gig possible. But we were all best friends. So we had, like, a lot of fun. And we were meatheads. So we would be, get very, very, like, violent with the way that we would remove people from, from the club. But it was also the ultimate place to pick up chicks. It was so easy. It was so easy. As long as you – and we all wore
1: the same, like, queer outfit. We all had on tight black, like, Under Armour shirts so, like, nobody could, like, grab them if we got into a fight. Mm -hmm. They were, like, super tight. And, like, I had, like, an XL on, and PJ had, like, a medium just to look (laughs) bigger than me. (laughs) And uh, it was just, like, we didn't – check. I think the reason why we acted the way we did and, like, fought the way we fought is because they didn't frisk anybody at the door. No. They never checked anybody's pockets. They didn't pat anybody down. They didn't go, they they uh, never listened to like the max capacity because it was a fire hazard because that place was always Constantly. fucking beyond packed. It was just a bad thing. One, was of, a one bad of his thing. first
0: but nights, one of guys' first nights working, he got basically like jumped by a bunch of gang gangbangers and one of them smashed his head with something, like a bottle or, or something. Oh, yeah, I
1: got staples in my head. And he yeah. had to get
0: staples in his head. His head was like spraying blood out and he was like, fuck, should I go to the hospital? And I was like, nah, you're all right. And then at, like, 3 in the morning, he calls me and he's like, dude, I'm in the hospital. I have to get staples in my head. And I felt so bad that I, like, he still worked the whole <laughs> the whole rest of the night like that. I was,
1: that was a quick story. We were just throwing uh, – we it was the end of the night. There was no problems. And I don't even know – were you working that night?
0: Yeah. But I had I had told him. I was like, hey, so there were certain guys in there that, like, if there were parts of certain gangs that we knew that we were cool with, we would just basically leave them like, alone. hey, leave those guys alone. Let them do whatever. And so yeah. Guy had told this one guy, like, hey, man, you're not allowed to wear your hat in here. And he was part of, like, one of those I – th- I think he was part of, like, Crips or, or – I think he was w- one of the Crips. I, I, there was one guy in there that was, like, pretty big deal. Oh, no, that's not that's not the night I got the staple. but that, that's the night the brawl broke out.
1: I got Staples on – it. I think that was another night. I think the night I got Staples was when I was telling everybody they had to leave because we, we closed and that's when it, that's when that popped off. Well, they, but that hat thing was another. There was
0: a matter of like 30 seconds that I max, that I turned around and started talking to somebody and then turned back around. And there's like at least a dozen guys. And I'm like, where the hell's guy? They're all in a circle around him. And then he comes out like, fuck. <laughs> and there's like blood squirting out of his head. Um, then I, I, I was just like, man, I, I started questioning like, is it really worth banging these chicks? Like working at at, at this place? I think you stayed there longer than me.
1: I did because then Walker and Cecil um, started bouncing and I stayed there with them. But the funniest thing and the reason why I have this here, because I wanted to show you guys what I was talking about. see this kind of bottle? I PJ, one night, threw a bottle of Poland Spring like this at somebody's chest. And I thought it went through their soul. (laughs) Do you remember that night? Do you remember
0: that night? Yeah, I do. Because I remember Darren Cain watched me do it. And he was like, ain't no way in hell you haven't tried that shit before. And I was like, (laughs) no, it was just like a spur of the moment. And he was like, bullshit. Nobody would think to do something like that. He was like, you just, without even looking, grab a bottle of water and then hummed it across the room at somebody. And I was like, I knew that the guy was getting out of hand. And he was like, nah, bullshit. And it really was just kind of like a weird, like I got caught like seeing some shit go down and there happened to be a bottle of water right there. And I knew that it was gonna take a few minutes for me to get over and get in the middle of it. So I like hummed this, and I'm not even like a great pitcher or anything like that. You know, like I'm not a quarterback. But I just fucking threw this bottle of water so fucking hard <laughs> that it hit him, like, directly in the, in the center of his chest. And it was like a video game. Like, his feet and arms, like, went out <laughs> like this. And his body, like, flew back. And everyone turned to look at me. It was like a me. Mortal
1: Kombat finishing. It really <laughs> did.
0: I was like, I don't know how the fuck. We oh, laughed about Chico. that so hard later. Um, but we, we, we're going to do a whole fucking podcast on crazy shit that went down between police, hiding from police, chicks. <gasps> Girls, changing, changing girls throwing up on fucking guy when he's trying to be a, be smooth. Uh, guy stealing a girl's keys.
1: Do you fucking remember that?
0: <laughs> See, this is why I said we're only going to talk about 11 a little bit cuz it's it's all going to come up into my 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 mind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> making out with chicks on the hoods of their cars and fucking leaving with their keys. So, and Odette showing up. I'm not doing I didn't do anything. <laughs> That was Something like, happened. that was probably like one of the, the, the craziest, but most fun times of our lives. Then, oh, hands down. We go from there into you, you become a pro bodybuilder and you start yeah. competing. And I moved out to uh, California, California. And uh, I, I hated California. I didn't stay there that long. So you figure I figure I did my last show, um, which was USA's that year in uh, 2012 and then I moved to Florida and I started Blackstone Labs. So around 2012, what were you doing? Where were you?
1: 2012 I was with, I was in, uh, in Jersey, married in Bridgewater and I uh, was with BSN. I started with BSN as sales in 2011. And then I turned, or not turned, then I won my first pro show at the Dallas Europa in 2011 and then they, uh, signed me as an athlete, uh, along with sales. But what happened was uh, they, they had me as an athlete and for sales, but then my, I guess, you know, appearance schedule got so heavily booked that it was hard for me to do sales. So they kind of just kept like paying me like my sales salary and my athlete salary, but I never really did sales after that.
0: But you were going on, on, on the road a lot in the beginning. I remember.
1: I was on the, In the beginning, I was on the road a lot. I mean, that's how I built up a lot of rapport with a lot of the accounts that I still talk to today. Because, you know, when I was with BSN, I did sales. And then when I went to my other sponsor, it was a startup company. So I had to be – I had to wear many hats. So I had to keep in contact and make calls and stuff like that. So um, all those accounts that I dealt with, I, I maintained friendships with for 10 years.
0: So, and you – so when you started out, who – who was coaching you when you won your first pro show? Uh,
1: my first pro show, it was Factory Moverack.
0: Oh, oh. that's right, the old, the old Factory days. So you yeah. won a show, and you were working for a BSN, and you yep. were with BSN until you went to Centurion, who was a competitor of, um, of ours for a while.
1: <laughs> yeah, no uh, more,
0: because once I left that fucking company, went like nowhere. Truthfully, <laughs> yeah. and it's not even it's not even him saying that. That is pretty much what happened. He was kind of like the heart and soul of that, that company. We were doing the same thing at the time. You know, I was going and getting into accounts. Guy was getting into the same accounts for selling similar products. Um, I felt that they were kind of like ripping off a lot of the stuff that we were doing, but you know, me and Guy were always good, good friends. So we always kind of like passed ideas back and forth. And then when did you start working with uh, Aceto?
1: So Cito happened in 2000, and uh, I I left uh, Factory in 2012 because we did six shows and we missed the mark at, at every show. And Factory was like, "You should." Uh, he goes, he goes. If you were to work with anybody else, he goes, "I would say Chris Cito." And I was like, uh, "I go, I already thought about that." And he was like, "You know, why don't you see what Chris says?" So in <clears throat> 2013, there was the British Grand Prix. And uh, I was still, work- I was actually working with Factory, but I was kind of like doing my own thing. And like Neil Hill gave me like a little insight because he was there and like was helping me a little bit towards the end. And um, I, Chris, uh, I, I roomed with Jose because at the time BSN was my sponsor, so they paid for my room. Jose didn't have a sponsor, so he, uh, or he had a sponsor, and they wouldn't pay for his room. So he-, he was in my room, and Chris was constantly in and out of the room, and I would just like kind of sit there and like listen to Chris critique jose and tell him what to eat and i was like man this guy's like on fucking point like he he's just like he if he says he's at 10 o'clock he's gonna be here he's at 10 o'clock like he follows this he writes everything down he's meticulous and i was like this guy's fucking like on on point so and chris did an interview and i remember him uh in the interview saying that the most overlooked guy in the show was me and i was like wow because my first uh the first thing I remember about Chris was when I beat his guy in 2011 when I turned when I, when I won my first pro show. Fernan- his name was Fernando something, and in the interview, Chris goes, "I, you know how Chris is with his like dry sense of humor. He's like, I don't know how a guy who won every pose didn't win the show." Talking <laughs> about his guy, yeah, and I was like, "Who the fuck is this piece of shit?" Like I, I thought like Chris was like a cocky asshole, and then once I got to like know who he was, I was like, "This guy's pretty fucking cool." Fucking and then bald. I he was like, I talked to him before the. The show got over, and I'm like, hey, man, like, would you be willing to like work with me? I was like, I saw what you did with Jose, and I have like the utmost respect for you, and I think it's pretty awesome. Like, I never had somebody like there like that for me. And he was like, messaging me around the new year. So, like, right before the new year, I messaged me, and I'm like, Chris, like, I really want to work with you. He's like, I don't know, man. He's like, I got a lot of guys in the 212. I don't like to take on too many guys because, you know, then they start clashing at shows, and he's like, I don't want that. He was like, so he goes, how about you touch base with me after the new year? So, January 2nd, I called him. And uh, I I was like, Chris, you you have to work with me. I was like, nobody's going to fucking do what I do. Nobody's going to train how I train. Nobody's going to listen the way I listen. And uh, Chris was like, all right, what show do you want to do? I said, Chicago. And he's like, all right. He was like, deal. He's like, let's go win Chicago. And I'm like, what about if I do well at Chicago? I go, what happens with the Olympia? He was like, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. And I've been with him ever since.
0: How many uh, shows have you done together? <laughs>
1: Probably mid twenties. Can you even keep
0: track of all the shows that you've done at this point?
1: If you ask me, I could probably name them all right now, but it'd be a fucking uh, long list. But I've won, se- I won one show with Factory. I won six with Chris. So I've and I've got a, a ton of second places.
0: So six pro wins with Chris, one with Factory. Seven. A yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah,
1: six with Chris, one with Factory, and I got a bunch of second and thirds.
2: So your first. Show, when did you win your first show with Chris? 2011
1: Uh so, Chris. Two, yeah. uh, 2013 they gave me second to Tricky Jackson, which was a fucking joke.
0: Oh, I remember that. Um, I was pretty upset over that one. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because Tricky had no points at all, and I had points, and I just needed to place fifth, and I would I would go to the O locked in on points, and if Tricky didn't win, he wouldn't go to the O. Yeah, I remember. So they put me in second, Tricky. In first, so two of us went to the Olympia instead of just me. Yep. Hmm. So um, like, and I remember with the judge was like, oh, I was like, can I ask what I'm missing here? He goes, yeah, your legs need to match your fucking upper body. I was like, all right, you clearly weren't paying attention because my <laughs> upper body is not that good. So I don't know what you're referring to. But the first show that I won with Chris was in 2014. I did Dallas Europa and I won. Then I did the New York Pro and bullshit Fucking took second to Aaron Clark, which was bullshit. And then I did. um, I got so pissed off. I was already qualified. Everything would be it because I won Dallas. I took second in New York. I was so pissed off that I took second in New York. I went to Canada a couple weeks later, and it was the biggest show. Two twelve. It was the biggest two twelve show ever. There was thirty guys in the class, and I won.
0: Yeah, I remember that. That was that was that was a after New York was a really big deal because there was a lot of people on the boards going back and forth with like. Who should have won between Aaron and Guy? And I'm, t- I'm trying to think if we had signed Aaron already. I, it, I, uh, it, I
1: think you did because it was me. It was, Aaron got first. I got second. And then maybe, remember
0: uh, Beto Alvesport?
1: Oh, yeah. Life, yep.
0: yep. He took third. He was a freak. He was a freak. He was really
2: good. I think Aaron's doing uh, Tempo. Is he? Yes. Yeah. Uh, who? Aaron Clark. He's doing tempo. Oh, yeah. He is He's diving. You know, uh, unfortunately for him, I
0: think that his time has, like, come and gone in, in bodybuilding. But, I, you know, I wish him the best. Um, you – fast-forwarding. Um, last year – well, was it last year or the year before? Last year. When you had uh, so, your sh- shoulder –
1: 2018. Issues. Oh. The
0: summer of uh, – summer of 18. So, it was, it was like, right – So, shoulder issues for a while – and then you finally yeah. went in. What surgery did you have done?
1: It's called the tenodesis. It's where they go in and your bicep tendon obviously attaches all the way up and attaches to your labrum. So my bicep tendons were so um, inflamed that I could barely even, like at night I would sleep. And I would have to have like pillows under my arms just to like get, like relieve the pain. Almost like when you like hang over a preacher curl when you're doing like shoulders just to like relieve the yeah. fucking pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just couldn't take it anymore. It was unbearable. So I went to the doctor and he's like, dude, I don't know how your bicep tendons haven't snapped. He's like, they're frayed. there's fucking pieces floating around. And I was like, all right. So what they do is they go in, and they cut your bicep tendon away from your labrum, and then they drill a hole in your humerus and reattach the bicep tendon down here. So my biceps lost peak to them. Um, But it definitely fixed whatever problem it was. I mean, I'm probably going to have to get like another surgery or probably shoulder replacements when I'm like in my 60s and it. If they get worse, but for the time being, I just told them I said, I want, I want, you know, another five years out of my fucking career. So like you got to, cause what they normally do is just cut it and let it drop. If yeah. you're like, oh, you don't yeah. care about aesthetics, oh, no. they would just cut it and let it drop. And it is what it is. But I couldn't risk that because of bodybuilding. So it, the surgery was a little more intense, cause I had to reattach the, uh, the bicep tendon, which, you know, they had to drill and pin and this and that and anchor it into my bone. Um, but the, I did one surgery. On June 26th of 18, and then I did the second surgery on July 31st, and then I started training in October, right after the Olympia, and I competed in my first show the following June. After that, which was 2019.
0: So, how much uh, actual downtime
1: did you have? I was out of the gym for 17 weeks, didn't train, and do a fucking thing. Went from 238 pounds to 194.
0: Was that the longest time off you have taken? Uh, yes. Without you, a doubt. Were you mentally going out of your mind? You know what?
1: Yes and no. Because the, it, was like a, it was a struggle with the fact that mentally I knew I could get back mm-hmm. to where I was. Because I was like, if anybody can overcome this and just get back to where they were. I was like, it was me. And, but the only thing I was questioning is like father times. You know i'm yeah. like i'm getting older like i'm 38 years old so i was like i, I don't know if my body is going to fucking respond the way i it would when i was in my 20s and uh it, it didn't respond as fast as it did but it took some time but it, it it i got back to where i needed to get back to and now that i had I, I qualified in november and now that when be got pushed back even further uh it's it, it's making my life a little easier because i'm able to to hold my weight a little longer um, which I didn't do after my surgery. I kind of got up to like 232 pounds, and then right into dieting. Like my body didn't have a chance to like hold, maintain that weight, you know.
0: And I remember actually, funny how that that it all worked out when you got your qualification. Uh, Sammy was also there. Yes, that's where I kind of like I was pissed met met Sammy. Yeah, because Sammy was working with Aceto also, and I had told them both. That they should link up because they had similar personalities. You know, Sammy's very meticulous, and
1: I paid for Sammy's fucking dinner because I was a nice guy. I paid for everybody's dinner.
2: Remember that? Oh yeah. TGF. You don't uh, dinner, you little fuck. Here we go Fridays, right? No, we went to yeah, whatever Cruz? the fuck. There was like nothing open. Friday, remember? Fridays. Yeah, TGF Fridays. It was with Bola. Yeah.
0: That yeah, was a funny yeah, night you because were- you guys were both competing, and you both work with Aceto, and then Acido knew that me and you were best friends, but he also knew that I was super close with Sammy from work so he was calling me, which I thought was really cool. Asito calls me to give me updates on the guys and he was just laughing like his ass off at the fact that he had Sammy and guy in the same show <laughs> and I was like who <laughs> I was like, who's more annoying?" <laughs> Sammy or Guy, and he was like Sammy a hundred times. <laughs> and he was like, I never thought I'd find somebody that that drives me more crazy that, than Guy. He was like, but it's it, it's Sammy, and I, we we're both just laughing. Uh, obviously, he was very happy because both of his guys had had really good showings. He actually yeah. thought um, he 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 thought that Sammy was supposed to win, and. Do you want I,
2: Terrence Ruffin? Yeah.
0: yeah. And he was – Ruffin was pretty off at that show, and he's a very good body. I mean, he beat me
2: from the back, definitely. I'll definitely admit that.
0: Yeah. Um, 100%. But, Sammy went and got it, uh, you know, a week or whatever later. So, yep, later. now you guys yep. are both What's crazy
2: is, Bola actually cut down the classic right after that, and he competed with me. That was insane. Wait, what? Yeah, you don't remember? He, he didn't tell you? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, four weeks later, Bola showed up. He went from – I don't know where he weighed in at the show uh in Niagara, but – he had to weigh in at 180. And, bro, he had to have been, like, yo, he, he almost died. He said, like, dude, he was literally sitting on the floor after weigh-ins. Just, like, they hardly talk, like, nothing. And he was so shaky Holy on fucking stairs. shit. Like, he literally killed himself. He was taking the aldactone and diazide, like, t- 12 days out. Damn. Starving himself. Damn
1: and um, me, me and Bola kept meeting outside for a little... Huffman. Rendezvous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, mm-hmm.
0: So November, you qualify, and that was the 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 last of normal society as we know it. And then we go into this year, and all the madness with fucking wreck pandemic and everything else goes on, and um, you got sick.
1: Right. Yeah, I got COVID. Yeah, he got
0: fucking COVID. Uh, for those of you who want to meet somebody that's actually had COVID, he got COVID, Hi. and then um, I'm trying to think of the timeline of uh, of events. I probably should. Have I'll tell you. I got COVID,
2: blood clot,
1: and then um, my smell and my taste still isn't back. I still can. There's there's 50 of things I can't smell or taste still.
3: Really? Um, and How then long has that yeah, been now? Was all, huh? How long has that been now? Months.
1: Twelve weeks. For about, for about eight to nine, I couldn't fucking tell – I couldn't tell the difference between, like, eating dog shit and eating pussy. Like, yeah. it, it, I couldn't – I so, didn't have no idea. So It was that's, that bad. I
3: had that same exact thing going on right now. Um, I got sick probably two weeks ago, and I, I feel much better now, but I can't – If you lost your smell, smell in for your face, he has, you uh, He had a sinusitis. Had he did not have uh,
0: the COVID, oh, so yeah. I don't want people to be freaked out that – we're all sitting in here passing around the uh, the COVID. Yeah, you know, no, I,
1: they 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 ramrodded that fucking thing that touched,
0: like, right up here in my nose. And they pulled like total it right out. Uh, huh? Like total recall when Arnold's got the thing up there.
1: Oh, bro, it was awful. And they, like, have a picnic up here because I got to roll it around for a certain amount of time <laughs> before they pull it out. And uh, so I, then I ended up getting a fucking blood clot in my calf. And I, I noticed it myself and I'm like, something's not right. And I was like, I think I have a blood clot. I took a picture, sent it to my doctor. He's like, go to the ER now. That was in the beginning of June. And then shortly after that um, there was an incident with a car that I my girlfriend accidentally backed up and it was just something stupid. And cause I bent over to pick something up. She didn't see me and her wheel caught my foot. I went to the ER for that cause I thought I broke my hand. My foot was swollen in black and blue. Thankfully, nothing happened. Uh, I was able to train still. I just wrapped my hand like a club and just to have a pad to be able to push. And then I was like, all right, my, my, my luck can't be that bad. I didn't get fu- I, I didn't like break anything. And then I ended up throwing out my back a couple weeks later, which is I'm still in a back brace. And uh, because I just have a bad back, I have two herniations, two bulges. My back's just been bad from all the football and shit and squatting heavy. So. I stood up and I like was my back was out, so I trained quads on Friday instead of on a Wednesday. And there was like this paramount leg press that I've never used at a gym in Queens. And I I I um like stepped back and and hit my calf on the handle, and my calf exploded. Um and I thought I tore my calf right off the fucking bone. And it was so swollen and so like, like distorted looking, I iced it and then I took an Epsom salt bath. After I got out of the Epsom salt bath, I was like, holy shit. I was like, my fucking calf doesn't hurt really anymore. So I was like, I went to bed and woke up in the morning, couldn't even move my fucking foot. My foot was fucking stuck. I couldn't even bend it. So I was like, what the, f-? so I just kept icing it, icing it, went to the, to the physical therapist. They thought I just pulled something, Well, then I ended up going to the ER last week, and I had fucking cellulitis in my left leg.
0: (laughs) Unbelievable.
1: So it's been like one thing after another. And then I ended up throwing my back out again on Monday, went to the spine doctor to get an MRI because they want to give me facet injections, which they've done before, because my back's just bad. And uh, they needed an MRI, so I went to my spine doctor, my orthopedist, I went to my primary care doctor, and my physical therapist for doctors, they've declined my MRI twice. And and they've only, the only thing they've done for me is give me oxycodone to take. So I called them yesterday, and my insurance company, and I go, you guys haven't approved my MRI. I said, I I haven't really been able to walk that good or fucking even train in the past couple days. I said, and you guys have me popping oxys like Tic Tacs. I go, so I would appreciate if you guys can fucking Give me my MRI so I can figure out what's going on with my back so I can have a day without pain. And uh, I'm still, I'm waiting for it to get approved today, but it's, it's been a
2: fucking nightmare. What a fucking crock And then you had to redo the house, right? The flooring? Because of like, well, I'm at
1: my parents' house now because my floors are getting redone. So it's like, I got to wait for my floors to get done. The the guy said they'll be done by the end of this week, so I'll move back in. But yeah, I got all my, my wood floors ripped up and and new wood floors put down.
0: So you blew out your back, you blew out your shoulder, you caught the Rona. And you're still going to somehow do the Olympia.
1: Fucking win, bitch.
0: Somehow somehow this made sense for me to sign this guy after all this rap sheet that he he just gave us. Because I'm still fucking standing. (laughs) Um, Now, I don't want to get too much into it, but... Um you I know this
1: is like hard because there's so many different directions and like little tangents we can go well, on. Well, I'm, I'm trying, trying to, to like keep control. it
0: mostly I would like to keep it mostly uh, positive anyway and fun. Um you... Well, I'm gonna say this. I- I'm gonna say that when when my sponsor
1: um, me and my sponsor ended up parting ways, the first person that I reached out to was PJ. Because I was like, there's no real other brand that I can see myself with, and I wasn't about to sign with a, another startup company or a company that is branded by another athlete because I felt me and PJ talked, and eventually, you know, when my time's up and over, you know, I might want to do my own thing. And me and PJ talked about that stuff, and you know, I told PJ I'm not ready to do my own thing yet. I want to represent like a big solid company because I've been with these startup companies and got treated like complete shit and I, I see what Blackstone does and I see what they do with like military and police and, you know, the loyalty that they have with the fans and I, I me and PJ had talked about it for so long and as soon as PJ was like, you know what? I think we can fucking work something out, I knew it was only a matter of time. I mean, I turned down a lot of other offers and I I even told the guys that made me offers, I'm like, listen, loyalty, and it's funny that you're, you know, loyalty is everything is one of the quotes but I, I told a couple of guys, I'm like, listen, you're offering me like a very similar deal. And I have 20-year friendship with PJ, and I'm not gonna allow that to I say like, I'm gonna, like that's my determining factor, like my loyalty to PJ. Like PJ I mean, I've known PJ since Jump Street in my bodybuilding career. So, you know, my loyalties to him and uh you know it made my decision pretty fucking easy. So I'm um, I, I was I was very excited to sign with Blackstone. So I haven't been with a big company since BSN. And, uh, you know, Blackstone is kind of that hardcore brand that I think my personality really represents. So uh, I just wanted to say that because I'm excited to be a part
0: of the team. Well, I mean, we knew for for years that we would have been been a good team. It was the whole friendship (laughs) thing. I made a joke. I was like, you know what, at least if I sign you now, you're probably retiring in a couple years anyway, and you can't really fuck me over anytime (laughs) anytime soon. But uh, (laughs) he – One thing about Guy is he he was extremely loyal to the brands that weren't his friends because he's just a very loyal and hardworking guy. So I knew that there would be a good bond and good loyalty to us at Blackstone. But what I actually told him in the beginning was, I'll I'll try to help you get the best contract that you can. And and we kind of had fun. Um, Even like Cutler got involved in it a little bit of like, playing games of, like, where's Guy going to go? Because there were a bunch of, br- of brands that were interested in him. And the main thing that I told him was, you know, one of these smaller brands, you're going to be doing a lot more for them than they, for than they are for you, where on our side, we're already established. We've been around for a long time. You know, you can come right in to being Guy Sister Nino and enjoy all the, the you know, the, the perks, f- the perks instead of having to carry it on your back. And it's no disrespect to the the other companies. There was actually no, but that, that is a hundred percent. The
1: reason, you know, on top of other things, but with, but that statement is the main reason why I didn't want to go with another company. I did six years of that shit, grown companies and doing this and, uh, and, and having like to go from, from ground zero and up. And I just, I didn't want to do it anymore. If I'm going to do it, I wanted to do it for my brand. Like if I started a company, I didn't want to put my efforts to start another company that I have no equity and no liquidity and I, I get nothing for it. So it didn't make sense for me, you know? And I think it was, I think it's a pretty cool story that I kind of started my bodybuilding career with you as a training partner and we're ending as business partners.
0: Yeah. You know? and, and you know, I think that it's very important that people understand that when you're deciding which kind of athletes that you want to represent your, your co- company, there's, there's a few different directions that you can go in. And so what I had been doing for a while was taking very young guys, and kind of like mentoring them, molding them, like building the stories behind them that I knew fit our marketing and made people really want to pay attention. And I'm yeah. not saying that I won't do that anymore, but it's a lot of work and it's tiring. Whereas with you, I knew everything is built in already. So it's sort of like. You,
1: you know what you get with me.
0: It, exactly. It's sort of like, you know, the relationship is there. And in all yeah. business, this is something that I try to teach people all the time. when Whether it's. Doing nails, doing bodybuilding, or, or working on you know Wall Street. Relationships are the key to all success, and yeah. so bringing on guy. Yes, we have a relationship for many years, but he has a number of relationships that he has built over the years that are also beneficial to not only Blackstone Labs but really any other company. So when you look at somebody that's brand new, for instance, people will reach out to me and say, "This guy's got a lot of potential. This guy's a lot of potential." It is up to you as a sponsor to help him realize that potential, but it's up to him, the person, to go and and make that happen. So with you, we already know everything that that we're going to get. Like I could tell the guys in the office, look, I know that he's going to work super hard. I know he has a relationship with these people. Like we don't have to question any of that where most of the time you're like, I hope that I get my money's worth here. So now – Um, we're in a spot where we know we can have a lot of fun and do a lot of things and keep people on their toes. And, um, Joe is right by you. That's one of my main video guys. We'll be able to get tons of content with you all the time. And, um, just all sorts of exciting stuff and shenanigans. Uh, I am going to pee because I have to pee really bad, but I wanted these guys I just wanted to get out of the whole, like, I knew we were going to do a little, like, bust each other's balls, like, suck each other off a little bit, and it's a cute story. It's, a, it's a, actually a-
1: I'm just going to preface before you leave with this, okay? Just so you guys know at Blackstone Labs and PJ Braun, <laughs> I am best friends with PJ. I've been for 20 years. So PJ knows that I know everything <laughs> about PJ. And you guys have to know that PJ being my best friends, I know a lot about Blackstone Lab people.
3: Oh, so yeah.
0: be careful, be careful of the shots
1: <laughs> that you get fired because my ammo clips are full of ammunition.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "So yeah. what am I allowed to say about you on the show?" I'm like, "You can say whatever you want." Um, <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm gonna pee real quick. Uh, I know these guys probably have some, yeah, yeah, go ahead stuff that like actual competitors and whatnot can listen to. Yeah, I'm done with the whole like dick sucking part. I'm very happy to have guy sister Nino here. So Thanks. by the t- by the time this podcast uh, goes out There'll be an awesome fucking video out There's lots of other cool stuff Can't going wait. on And you're going to see a lot of us uh, I will be right back though. Shoot,
1: and I'm trying to figure out For some reason this thing turned into a split screen And not like have the little thing I'm trying to like get it back You look normal on our side Yeah well that's the, I don't know what the fuck I did
3: <laughs> You just took a screenshot <laughs> What?
1: You just took, you a, took screenshot. a screenshot I know whatever I don't fucking know what the hell's going on. So it's I, like, it's split, and I can't see, I, Dave, I can't see you. I can only see uh, Sammy, because it's like oh, split in half Billy. my fucking screen. Yeah. Can't figure it out. Yeah. But it wasn't like that when I started. Oh, there we go. I fixed it. Ha, motherfucker. All right, now I can see you, Dave. Uh, it's Billy. Bill, oh, Bill. Wait, who is messaging me? Dave. Dave's the VP. Oh.
3: Where's Dave at? Oh, uh, well, he's downstairs. He's downstairs.
1: Oh, I thought he was the one that I thought he was the one that called that called the Skype.
3: Yes, he is. It's, it's his account. He has to set up through the Skype. But
1: oh, okay. Decent. I see. I couldn't see you the whole time, so I thought it was. Dangerous. Yeah, I know. The, okay. the, the,
3: the camera's super small, so it's hard for us to fit all of us. Yeah. Small. Um, but there's something so, I wanted to ask you because you've yeah, done go ahead, bro. An insane amount of shows. Um, so you know the mental aspect of prepping for a show. Has that gotten easier with for for you over time? Like, do you still get in your head about how you look? Yes, that's never going to change. Yeah,
1: that'll never change. I mean, as a competitor, you always get in your head before shows, and I think that's what was fucking me up. Um, Yeah, I got you know, I the I did four shows before Niagara Falls, and the last show before Niagara was Cali. And I bombed that show. I took no diuretics. Chris had me doing like a little bit of alcohol and black coffee for my diuretic. And I ended up sweating profusely on stage. It looked like shit. Um, somehow I placed, I don't even know where I, 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 shouldn't have beat anybody. It was awful. And, uh, you know, Jay saw me leading up to that show and at the night show, I was sitting in the audience and, uh, Jay was like, bro, he's like, you can beat all these fucking guys. He was like, you gotta stop fucking getting in your head. He's like, I know how you're thinking. Like, you're older. You had surgery. You might not look the same. He's like, I've been there. He's like, I know how it feels. He's like, but he's like, I also know what you're capable of. He's like, and I go, what do you want me to do? Jay? He's like, go to fucking Niagara falls. He's like, get your head out of your ass. He's like, and go fucking win that show. And I was like, all right. So I like went home and fucking, I literally called my doctor and I'm like, Hey, can you give me something for anxiety? I was like, because I have like really bad anxiety backstage. And I said, like, I can feel my, I feel the anxiety, I feel my heart start to race and I could feel, and almost like I could feel my body flattening out. Yeah. And I, I said, yeah. but I go, you got to give me something that like doesn't fuck with my muscle. So he gave me like a, some, uh, like anxiety med or anti-anxiety med. And I, I started taking it a couple of days before the show to see how I reacted to it. And I really, I, it didn't do anything physical to me that I felt or like threw me off or changed my like gastrointestinal tract or anything like that. So I was like, all right, this isn't bad. And, I don't know if it was that or just a, you know Cutler's words, but I was really psyching myself out because you know when you're it's kind of like a catch twenty two when you're younger you kind of do the same stuff because you're up and coming and I think once you get established there's like a period where you're not really that worried but then when like you can see the light at the end of the tunnel for your for the end of your career I think that's where it starts to become like really nerve wracking mm-hmm. you know and you start really like because you have all these like new new guns and like young blood coming up. And you just don't know what to expect or how they're going to look, so it's like an anxiety thing, you know. Right, right. But yeah, the, the the nervousness is is never going to go away, you know, or or the questioning, or you know, um, how you look, and you know, every show that I do to this day, I think I look like a complete dog shit until I look at pictures after the show.
3: <laughs> That's so true. You know, yeah.
0: <laughs> do you still? Um, this is uh, sitting here with Billy has, has actually made me think of this. Do you still tend to hold a little bit more of your fat in your midsection than anywhere else? Yes. Because yeah, guy, I, I guy, guy used to have like, like striated my, glutes like my five weeks handled. out, but still have like some love handles. And, and, yeah, and that, I know it used to drive yeah. him crazy because Billy, like he just has like stubborn spot there where you can look at him and the rest of his body looks ahead or where it's supposed to be. And then he stores his weight there and it, it psychologically drives him crazy. But yeah. I'm like, look, that's just your spot, you know. That that's just going to be the spot that's that's last to go. on. You yeah. had your spot, I have my yeah. spot. We all did. Yeah. Uh, mine was the bottom of my ass, like a woman, which was a fucking yeah. curse. Dave used to pinch it, yeah. and, and your ass looks like my grandma's. It was just, uh, just bad <laughs> luck. <laughs> I guess I. Could there was nothing
1: there money. though. There was no fat. It was just like it was skin just weird you, skin,
0: you know. And Dave used to be like, "You need to make your glutes bigger. You need fuller, <laughs> fuller glutes. More orthotics and squats." I was doing so many fucking butt exercises and butt blaster and shit trying to make my ass bigger.
1: We And, and we were killing legs. Because Dave was all
0: about people. giant asses back then, remember? I know. He wanted know. you to have the biggest, most giant striated ass. That's what it was all about.
1: I never remember walking into his house and seeing like fucking these monstrosity of shoes and I like peeked at like the size and it was like 14 or 15. It was like something absurd.
0: Yeah, but uh, his, his good buddy, uh, Justin Miller um yeah who, who uh coaches uh <laughs> um george uh, peterson george peterson told me that he told me a little secret that dave's feet grew like three sizes in one year and really? he, he's like man he's like i don't know what those guys were getting into at that point he's like but dave's feet grew like three three sizes in one year dave, now, i don't Dable know if dave will confirm
1: or deny that big. He's Dave said his feet always grew in size because he squatted so much that it flattened out his foot. That's that, that bullshit. bullshit. That all that, that doesn't sound. <laughs> right.
2: I got a question. Um, what does Michael Johansson look for in an athlete representing GAS?
1: Um, I think there's like a lot of different avenues um, that he looks at. You know, because I don't I don't consider myself a great bodybuilder, um, so I think he looks at the mentality the training intensity and how you conduct yourself and how you speak. Um, because like branches and like, so you have to have one, some or all of those qualities. Like branch is the most loyal guy. One of the most intense guys I've ever worked at. He is the most intense guy I've ever, ever trained with. Um, he doesn't really talk a lot. And then you have, um, you know, guy like Johnny Jackson, who's just the sh- like a strong freak of nature. He doesn't really talk that much. And then you have, me who I bring, I have the intensity factor, but I'm very good in front of the camera. I think that's what, you know, I, I, and I'm very good with business stuff. Like I've helped gasp in many ways, like with ideas for clothing sales, like they do the deal of the day, the 50% off, like those flash sales, like those were all ideas I threw at them. So when I'm involved in a company as an athlete, like, yeah, I do my athlete job, but like they actually flew me to Sweden to, um, they wanted my opinion, because I'm very opinionated and I'm very open mouth. Um, and I, I, some of the clothing that they were making, like, you know, the, the shirts maybe like were too long in, in, in the sleeves or too short or too thin. They brought me to Sweden and we went through everything. And I broke down what I liked, what I didn't like, what could be better. And, um, you know, Mike, R- Michael likes the fact that I go above and beyond for the brand and that I'm loyal. Like once you're in with Gasp with Michael, you'll never, if you're in with Mike, you will he'll never let you go. Like he literally told me, like we went to Sweden and we're at the guy Martin's house, who's the other owner of Gasp, And we had a great time and I was making Mike laugh. Like Mike was laugh i have never heard him laugh like that. And we left there and Branch goes, you just solidified the rest of your life. I go, what do you mean? He goes, I've never seen Michael act like that and laugh. He goes, ever with anybody. He goes, and I know how much he like considers you family. He goes, you'll never not be a part of this fucking company. And I like shit like that. Like that's what I—that's the kind of brands that I want to be with. Like every time I've signed with a sponsor, it's I—I I signed with intentions to
2: end my career with that sponsor every time. Yeah. You know. And the reason I'm asking. Is so loyalty is what he looks for. Is loyalty. I mm-hmm. could definitely say I have the loyal part, and I could definitely say um, when it comes to above and beyond. I don't know. It's a question asked, PJ. I do go above and beyond a little bit. He goes above and beyond, and he is—he is very loyal. He's a very hard. You should have just coach. asked me, bro. I'll reach out. To, I talk to Michael all the time. I don't want to ask for a sponsor. I'm just trying to do it like, indirectly, not like tagging him. No, but stuff. the
1: best thing to do is to ask. You—you you don't. You, your answer is always going to be no if you don't ask.
0: True, but I think people also need to realize that sponsors get asked that question a thousand. Oh times yeah, you, a day. there's a way to do so it. You—you got to do it the right way, and yes. you, you gotta—you—you—you you, you gotta know. You got to be prepared to say what you're going to offer. So like people come yeah. to me all the time and they're like, yo, man, what does it take to get uh, sponsored by Blackstone labs? I want to be sponsored by Blackstone labs. Tell me what I got to do. And I'm like, well, everyone essentially has to do the same thing. It's yeah. just a matter of how much you're going to actually do it. Yep. Yeah. Um, and that's what.
1: But like, but like, and, and and another thing with, with, with sponsors, at least with like, you know, BSN, it wasn't zero, but uh, when, when they first offered me a contract, I was getting actually, you know, pretty decent money. But with Michael, the first year I was with Michael, I made zero dollars.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm not even asking. Because he I'm goes, not asking for money, huh? I don't even want money. I just want to rep the brand. No, no, I'm
1: saying. So I started with zero dollars. I started with him just giving me clothes, wanted me to come to the Arnold to sign pictures. They they made a picture of me in gas clothing. I signed it. Um, the whole time at the Arnold, and uh, after that was when you know he wanted. He was almost like. See, a lot of people reach out to companies and they want a paycheck right off the bat. Yep. And if you don't have a resume to show anybody or, or anything to, sh- to prove your worth, then it's your job to be like, it was my job to be with Gasp, not make any money for a year and prove to them my worth. And I did that and it came full circle. And now I'm one of their top athletes, you know, all my sponsors, I've always started, you know, in the beginning, like on the lower side of, of a salary or zero. You know, because a lot of bodybuilders are fucked. The reason why bodybuilders don't make a lot of money from sponsorship is because bodybuilders did it to themselves. Yep. Because there's a lot of lazy bodybuilders. There's a lot of lazy guys that complain about this and that. And it's not hard to post on social media. It's not hard to take a picture. It's not hard to make a video. It's not hard to tag and post and hashtag. It's, it's, if you can't, if your job is to be active on social media and go to the fucking gym and eat and sleep and you can't do that. And you're not working a nine to five, then you're a lazy fucking. i have no mm-hmm. business being a sponsored athlete. Absolutely. End the story.
3: Preaching the truth, man. <laughs>
0: no, there's so many oh, bodybuilders man. that think that they should get paid just for being good at bodybuilding. Just being alive, you know? basically. No, you get but, it alive. Yeah, no. Bodybuilding is such a very, very small, small part of where supplements actually go. Yeah, you know what I mean, so yeah, people need to realize that. And okay, I, okay. There's many people that are looking up to you because they want to be a bodybuilder, right? And maybe those people are looking up to you because they're like, well, I want to get a supplement contract, you know, whatever it may be. But there are so many people that are not bodybuilding that just like working out and could give a shit about bodybuilding. So for a company to put all of its money into bodybuilding truly makes no sense for the company. And that's yeah. where I think there's for years now, for years, there's been this misconception that, all right, I'm a turn pro in bodybuilding and I'm gonna get fucking paid to be a bodybuilder and that's gonna be my life. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. No, it it's still not has been going on for years. I mean, we knew when we were young, like for, for some reason we didn't drink that Kool-Aid that so many people drink and we knew we were like, all right, well, we're gonna have our own jobs and do these things and like, hopefully we get some sponsors and everything else and I believed like with all my heart that I was going to make money in bodybuilding I I figured it out pretty fast I was like you know what I'm not going to be one of the best bodybuilders in the world but I love this sport I'm going to do it other ways and that's when I got into coaching and the other things that I did you know you you you've got to work with your personality and your mind to create all these 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 avenues of 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 success financially with bodybuilding you can't just look good
1: Yeah, you can. And and another thing too, you have to bring. Like I tell people too, there's a couple things when people reach out to me about like, well, how do you do this and how do you get sponsored? I'm like, well, there's a couple things. A, you have to be real because I can pick out every fake person on online just by how they talk. Mm -hmm. Like even their motivational things, I could tell when they're reading off something when it doesn't sound organic. And I tell people, stay in your lane. Like you got to figure out your niche and stay there. Don't try to do what other people do because people like realism and they like truth. And when you give them something other than that, um, you will get exposed at some point. And, you know, when people ask me about sponsorships, they're like, you know, I want to be sponsored. My question I would always ask them, I go, if you owned a supplement company, tell me why you would sign you. And 90% of the time, they can't say anything. They don't have mm-hmm. a big following. They, they maybe competed, did decent. Um, and I go, listen, you can't ask a supplement company for a sponsorship when you don't – I go – when you bring nothing to the table, it's like a one-armed waitress. If there's, you bring nothing to the table and there's no point. So it's like you have to have value when you, when you go to a brand and you have to know your value. You
2: I know, I can definitely say I have value because uh, just coming off of when it comes to supplement companies like 2015 I uh, went to the grand opening of Bogan Nutrition and I talked to PJ I took a picture with them. just true. so you know hey, Sammy I wasn't saying you don't have no, value I, I, I am mean, talking in saying... general talking about the lazy bodybuilders out there and you gotta know yeah yeah okay even really I just wanted you to know I was not talking Next. about you I, and I can honestly say I've never done anything motivational and the only thing I can say is like I speak directly and I don't have a filter and I definitely yeah. say I can work fucking hard and I can prove myself um, I don't have a crazy following definitely don't I mean Shit, I remember how I used to get my following, but now it's organic, and I can say like when it comes to how did you
1: not- used to get your following? Since you said that, you unfollow,
2: can't drop follow follow a little fucking like that. four p no. <laughs> yes. No. no unfollow. You your That's how I got mine. Unfollow, follow. You remember those apps they had? I started that, and I got up to five k, and then no, actually ten k, and then rest the twelve point, the twelve point five from now till then. The last three years was just me. Just me being a part of Blackstone's, you know, me just traveling, (laughs) me going to stores, events, doing (laughs) shows and stuff. But what I was trying to say is um, with PJ, I asked him, I want to work for you. And at the time they weren't hiring. But, you know, I looped my way out of it, you know, found a guy that actually worked in the call center, um, asked him to get me an interview. I kept begging, bro. I worked at NutriShop for a lot of was sitting there in the gay hood of the area. And like, yeah, I do well in sales there, but I wanted to get the hell out. I wanted to work for a supplement company. I didn't want a sponsorship. I didn't want nothing. I just wanted to work. And I did, and uh, I just the one thing with uh, Mike. Um, the reason I asked that is because I think I could really represent. I think I really look good in those clothes, and I like those. <laughs> I like
0: those clothes. He is, he is, he is putting his heart out there, guy. He's putting I, his heart out there. N- listen, <laughs> when I tell you I
2: got
1: you, I I got you. Trust me. I
0: All right, so listen. I on that note, today. what 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 more important note to end the podcast on than guy trying to help out Sammy get some fucking clothes?
1: Sammy, if you fucking, if you killed me and grew a beard, you could probably fucking just, like, throw some white out in your beard. And you would <laughs> oh, look exactly beard like The is
2: coming, man. I'm telling you. It's coming. That's the reason I'm doing it, just to see what I look like uh, with the beard like yours.
1: So you could be like, you could be like my villain. It'll be like, I don't want to do this show. Can you just compete? <laughs> All right. Sense. It's
2: getting, now it's getting weird.
0: Um, listen, I'm super, super. Excited about everything, and uh, everybody in the company is excited, too. We've been talking about this for a while. Wait. We've held it in for a while. We wanted to do the marketing the right way. By the time everybody listens to this podcast, you'll already see a very cool video uh, from Joe Reiser, who just texted me, coincidentally, saying, hey, what happened? What went wrong? I don't understand I saw a guy's post saying that he's announcing it next week. I thought you guys were doing it tonight. See what I did? See, and I, I th- was I like, he's just trolling I, everybody.
1: Already messaged me.
0: <laughs> and I go, it's to throw people off like you, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we can say all that now because the announcement are already made. So um, if you guys like this um, this podcast, I'm sure you, you will. Let us know. We'll do more. We got plenty more stories. Guy, thank you very much. A lot much, of
3: stories. Uh, no, man. Thank time. you, guys. Happy to have you, man. Happy to
0: have you, bro. And uh, I will I will say this as I always do, but this one is directed just to you. I love you very much. Peace out, bye. Love you, buddy. <laughs> <All right. laughs>